We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. And here we are again, Super Bowl Sunday, February 2nd, 2020. Super Bowl 54 will kick off here. Depending on when you're listening to the show in a couple hours, I would hope by the time you're listening to the show, the game hasn't already been played uh, because this is a Super Bowl preview show for the Pack-A-Day podcast. I am not Matub. I am not Zach Jacobson. Uh, Matub said that they couldn't get their schedules to align. And Zach is, I imagine, sitting in his basement trying to come up with some witty fat jokes about me because that's what he tends to do with his free time. So, Those of you that don't recognize my voice by this point, I am Jacob Westendorf. I am your host for this morning's Super Bowl Sunday edition. And joined with me is, well, one of my usual partners. Uh, We used to do this show together. We do Pulse of the Pack together for Packers Talk slash Cheesehead TV. And that is Jason Perrone. Jason, the Coyotes are in town. Or excuse me, the Coyotes are always in town. The Blackhawks are in town to play the Coyotes so a little taste, I guess, of my hometown uh, coming through with uh, some hockey playing tonight. Yeah, which I know is your favorite sport, so I definitely want to take a ton of time to talk about that before we jump into football talk. I also love the fact that Zach isn't just somewhere coming up with a stupid fat joke. He's specifically in his basement, which <laughs> only adds to the allure because, as you know, those of you who are on Twitter – Uh, One of the running jokes and narratives is that anybody who is being douchey definitely operates and lives out of their basement. So well done there, Jake. Well done. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. 
I am so unintentionally funny sometimes. And that was an example of, well, at least I hope you guys thought it was as funny as I did. <laughs> Something that I don't find funny is the Hall of Fame's voting structure. And that's where we're going to start here. This show is supposed to be strictly about the Super Bowl preview and a congratulations to 36 Leroy Butler. But Leroy Butler did not make it into the Hall of Fame. Uh, it was Steve Atwater and Troy Polamalu and Isaac Bruce and Edron James uh, were some of your people that got into the Hall of Fame. And really, the Hall of Fame, I struggle with it. Just because, oh, and I missed uh, Steve Hutchinson, I'm sorry. So, Troy Polamalu, Edron James, Steve Atwater, Steve Hutchinson, and Isaac Bruce. I struggle with the Hall of Fame because it sounds like you're trying to down somebody when you're giving the props to somebody else. So, by saying that I think Leroy Butler belongs in the Hall of Fame, it's almost that I have to say something bad about Troy Polamalu and Steve Atwater by association. Because those guys got in and Butler didn't. Uh, for those that don't know Butler's credentials, uh, he was on the all-90s decade team. He was one of the best players of his era. Uh, Bomani Jones said something today that I thought was appropriate, and that was that if he played in this era, he'd be a little bit more appreciated because that versatile chess piece is far more glorified in this day than it was uh, back then. But I'm sorry, going through this, uh, there is no argument for either one of those guys, Atwater or Polamalu, to be in over Leroy Butler. And if you look at the number, I mean, the numbers are pretty simple, guys. Butler played from 1990 to 2001. Troy Polamalu from 2003 to 2014. Butler had 20 and a half sacks. Polamalu had 12. They had the same amount. Well, I take that back. Polamalu had one more forced fumble. Butler had 10 fumble recoveries. He had 38 interceptions. Polamalu had 32. Uh, he had one touchdown, and Polamalu had three. Steve Atwater, this isn't even close. Butler, 20 and a half sacks. Atwater, five. Butler, 13 forced fumbles. Atwater, six. Butler, 10 fumble recoveries. Atwater, eight. Butler, 38 interceptions. Atwater, 24. They each returned one for a touchdown. It's asinine. It's wrong. It's a Travis. Name your superlative adjective in this case, and it's appropriate. Uh, I'm usually not one that gets overly upset about players getting into the Hall of Fame or not, but this is a guy who absolutely deserves to be in, and the guys that they're putting in over him, Polamalu and Atwater, neither player is better than Leroy Butler, and John Lynch was a fellow finalist, and I have a sneaking suspicion he's going to get in over Butler as well. And all of that, in my opinion, is wrong. Jason, tell me a little bit here. Why, what, how, what the hell? Well, there's a couple of theories. None of them, I don't know how much water they hold. One thing I want to mention about it is I don't agree with the decision either. And obviously we're going to be labeled as homers, and we are. Uh, but I, I watched a lot of Leroy Butler play growing up because I, I was a Packers fan. I watched all the games through his career, and this includes the years before Brett Favre and before they were really good, and he was still a lot of fun to watch. So it, I also happened to play safety for the you know two seconds that I actually played football, so I was very interested in what he was doing on the field because he was a fellow safety. Uh, one other thing to mention, 
Atwater was drafted 20th overall in the 1989 draft. He was a first-round pick. He was, he was drafted in the first round. Roy Butler was drafted a year later in 1990 in the second round. He was the third safety taken in that draft. And, and Roy Butler, for those of you, you know, who – and this doesn't necess- this doesn't mean anything for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but Roy Butler had to overcome a lot to, to play football and be as good as he was. Uh, dealt with some, uh, some, you know, handicap issues and overcame some, uh, some, I wouldn't say health concerns or health issues, but he definitely had to um, learn how to run and be an athlete and stuff like that. So – there's his story there, because I do think that when I say the story, the Hall of Fame takes some of that stuff into, into account. I know Steve Atwater was a loud personality. Roy Butler was too, but not so much until he, he was emboldened by those great Packers teams of the mid to late 90s. And he was a very, he was the heart and soul of that defense. So that, you know, I, I, the only other thing I can think of too, and this is ridiculous if this is how this worked out, but the biggest game that the two played head to head was Super Bowl 32, and we know who won that game. Now, obviously, it wasn't because of Steve Atwater, but, you know, the, the Hall of Fame voting is what it is, and much like NFL officiating, sometimes the rhyme and reason doesn't always add up. So, like we were saying before we recorded, Jake, the only other thing I can add in here is that Leroy Butler deserves to be in. You mentioned all the numbers and stats and reasons why, and there really isn't a ton more that needs to be said, um, other than I hope that this doesn't become a 30-year crusade to try to get Butler in the Hall of Fame, much like it was well longer than that for the likes of Jerry Kramer and some other deserving guys that were former Packers. So, you know, congrats to the guys that got in. Not everybody does get in, but it's just another one of those decisions that is leaving us kind of shaking our heads a little bit. And, and the Pro Football Hall of Fame released some kind of a statement. I saw Aaron Nagler t- tweet out, uh, a copy of it, and they essentially referred to the two players and the decision to let Atwater in as, as I believe the words were a wash. And it is anything but that. But again, we're Packers fans, so I guess take that for whatever you want uh, as far as our opinions on the situation. Yeah, and I think that we would both be clear in saying that we don't necessarily think that Atwater doesn't belong in. Uh, I didn't see Steve Atwater play a whole hell of a lot, but from my understanding is he was kind of the prototype, if you will, of what a strong safety was supposed to be in those days. And that's fine. That's cool. He's not a better player than Leroy Butler. That's what matters the most. And like you said, Leroy, he has the personality to us, to Packers fans that know him and have watched him, but Green Bay is a smaller uh, market. Leroy Butler really wasn't in the spotlight a bunch, and he was kind of honestly overshadowed a little bit by some of those great defenders that were on the same team as him, Reggie White most notably, of course. At the end of the day, it is what it is. The biggest problem with the Hall of Fame, and Jason, you mentioned NFL officiating, is some of it is so subjective, and that's really what this is. I mean, you have guys making cases for – players and there can be internal biases there are examples of the hall of fame not putting people in that belong in out of nothing other than sheer media grudges and terrell owens is who i'm talking about specifically when i say that where owens is a hall of famer and we know that but they didn't put him in in his first year because he was kind of a jerk and i understand that and maybe not thinking of him as highly as maybe you should but 
the idea that the media can hold a grudge against somebody because they don't like him and then put in guys that they do like, I, I just don't like it. Uh, that's, that's the problem with having something that's subjective. Um, and you know, it, it just, it is what it is, but eventually what happens is if one, I think they let too many players in the hall of fame, uh, and it's going to eventually become watered down. And that'll be especially true five years from now when they let Eli Manning into the hall of fame. And Eli Manning is a perfect transition into what we're going to talk about next, which is the Super Bowl. Kansas City Chiefs, San Francisco 49ers for all the marbles. Kansas City, high-flying offense, best quarterback in the world, Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, Miko Hardman, and Andy Reid going for his first Super Bowl ring here again, uh, former Green Bay Packers coach. And then on the other side you have kind of a rugged, uh, not that the Chiefs aren't tough, but a, a smash-mouth kind of team, uh, the Kyle Shanahan led San Francisco 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo, that running game. George Kittle, one of the best offensive lines in football, one of the best defensive lines in front sevens in all of football. Richard Sherman, it really is a great matchup. I I do think this is an even matchup. If they played 10 times, somebody said, I think Mad Dog the other day asked one of his guests, you know, if they played 10 times, who would win more often? And I honestly do think this could be a case where it finishes 5-5. Five and five. Uh, both teams are are very good. Obviously, they're in the Super Bowl. They're two of the better teams, uh, two of the best teams that have played all season. Jason, let's start with something simple. And before we get to breaking down the game, every year when the Packers don't play in the Super Bowl or when somebody, it doesn't matter who their favorite team is, if they're playing in the Super Bowl, we try and find a rooting interest because it is more fun to watch a game when you're actively rooting for someone to win the game or have some sort of interest in the outcome. Uh, For example, for the last 20 years, it feels like all of us have united and rooted against the New England Patriots. Thank God in heaven the Patriots are not playing in this Super Bowl on Sunday. So we have somebody different to talk about in this particular game. Jason, who are you rooting for? Not necessarily who do you think you would win, but are you rooting for somebody? Do you have an interest in the outcome of this game? Yeah, I usually pick a year there's a, there's a team I prefer for whatever reason over the other and this year it happens to be the Kansas City Chiefs uh, and that's not for once in my life I mean I'll be honest a lot of my picks are grudge based and <laughs> and uh, when the Packers don't win the NFC Championship game I typically don't want the team to beat them to go on and win the Super Bowl although you could also um, as my lovely better half said uh, take the high road and say hey I'd rather get beat by the champs than the runners up so then you would be supporting the San Francisco 49ers in that case so that the loss is justified a little bit more so to speak but I'm just a the Andy Reid tie to the Packers and the fact that the Packers and Chiefs you know there's an affinity I have for them because of Super Bowl one and I'm also a huge Patrick Mahomes fan I was really and I was, you remember this, I was legitimately bummed when he was hurt and couldn't play in that game. That's true. I, wa- I wanted the Packers to have a chance to go up against Mahomes on the road. I mean, that was going to be a huge litmus test for the Packers. They ended up getting a break. Matt Moore starts at quarterback, and they pick up a huge road win in a game that they might not have other- otherwise won. And-, and then playoff seedings and all that stuff changed and happened there. You know, the Niners, I, I, give, them- I give them a lot of credit for getting here and the, and the fan base has to be really excited because it's been 25 years, literally 1995 
you know, January 1995 was the last time that the 49ers won a championship. And, this, you know, they've got five. They have one more Super Bowl than do the Packers. And so this is a franchise that was once extremely proud. They were the Patriots of the, you know, the mid to late 80s. And they were churning out championships. And they had those great teams with Joe Montana and then transitioned to Steve Young, Jerry Rice, Roger Craig, uh, you know, all, all those all those guys. Well, Terrell Owens played on, on the team at one point. All those, those great players, Ronnie Lott, you can name them all. So I, I give them a lot of respect, and they definitely deserve to be here after the NFC Championship game performance. I, I guess for me, it's just, you know, hey, look, the Chiefs haven't been here in a while. I think we're excited. Like you said, Jake, I think we're excited about that fresh blood, and then it's not New England for once. And so it's like, hey, okay. And then, you know, the, the Niners, yeah, they turned it around, and that's why I said the base has got to be really excited because they were terrible last year. I mean, you and I watched – a game at Lambeau Field where the Packers were struggling to beat this Niners team, and we're looking at each, with C.J. Beathard at quarterback, and we're looking at each other in the stands like, what the hell are we watching? And a year later, you know, I think back and I'm like, wow, that, this is a team that, you know, a year later is competing for a trophy. So, uh, but, I mean, they had a lot of high picks to do it, and I think it's like a low-hanging fruit. You know, with John Lynch, you mentioned earlier, maybe one of the reasons he gets in is because, Writers can't ignore the fact that he's a GM that has took his team to the playoffs, and even though that has nothing to do with his playing career, it's human. They're human, and that's the, the situation. So, long-winded answer. Short answer, go Chiefs. Yeah, and John Lynch was on TV too, and I think that definitely helps. I, you know, I say that Mike Holmgren deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, for example, and reasons he's not include that he's not on TV and some guys like Tony Dungy are and Mike Holmgren's a better coach than Tony Dungy was. I'm sorry, but <laughs> it's true. Um, it just is. So as far as my answer for who I'm rooting for, I'm rooting for Kansas City. Uh, you mentioned some of the reasons. Patrick Mahomes, I think he's the best quarterback in the world. Very exciting, very likable dude by what it appears. Um, and then you look at, I mean, Andy Reid is – Perhaps the best coach in football, not named Bill Belichick. Very deserving. Uh, former Packers assistant, so there is a Packers tie there if you want to look at it that way. That doesn't matter to me so much. Uh, in the early 2000s, my dad's an Eagles fan. Those that have listened to me talk before, I've made no secret about it. The Eagles are one of the teams that I root for if the Packers aren't in. So I spent a lot of time rooting for Andy Reid's Eagles in the in the early 2000s because Green Bay wasn't as good, and the Eagles were playing for the NFC title. It's something it seemed like every single year. I think Andy's one of those dudes that he's gotten. And if you listen, it's kind of funny listening to some of his players because they really don't appreciate the narratives. Donovan McNabb's been on TV a lot this week talking about, you know, his. he said the BS narratives about his clock management, and he can't win the big one and blah, blah, blah. And I know some of that's been true, or it's played out that way that he hasn't won a Super Bowl I would really like to see him win one. Uh, I think that he deserves it just as much as anybody. Um, and I think the Chiefs have a lot of players. Tyron Matthews, another player I really admire. Um, not that the Niners don't have guys like that, but when I look at the other side, you know, Jason, you mentioned that some people want to point to, oh, we lost to the champions. I mean, cool, I guess. We still lost. I mean, at the end of the day, losing sucks. It doesn't matter when it was or who it was to or anything like that. Um, I don't like Richard Sherman. I, 
And it's because he's good. I'm not saying he's not, but he's a very good player. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I don't like him. Um, so I really would not like to see him win a championship. Well, and you know what, Sherman, the thing with Sherman is that it disappointed me because I was for his comeback story. I didn't like him in Seattle. That's one of the reasons I didn't want Seattle to win the Super Bowl after the terrible NFC Championship game. I was bitter. That was a straight bitter want the Patriots to win because I was bitter. But it was because I didn't like the vibe of that team, and I was tired of the year before. Then I was like, okay, Sherm's an older guy, and he, you know, he he comes from a you know South Central LA or you know whatever you want to make of that, and and this, his story. He comes back from the Achilles and, and bets on himself. He negotiates his own contract, whether you think that was smart or not. And he had me in his corner until after the, they beat the Packers, and he, he goes on the mic and he says, well, you know, they, they said they were going to have something for us. They weren't ready the first time. It's like he can't help himself but just be a heel and say these heel-like things. And so, yeah, Jake, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I guess I'm kind of with you there. He's kind of, you know, once again, he's, he's turned into a more of that villainous creature that's just almost, you know, out there trying to rile people up as much as he can. Yeah, I – I mean, you know, his he's like I said, he's a great player. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. No hatred from that standpoint. I just some and I, I really don't necessarily like the and maybe this is part of what makes him great. So maybe I should be a little more considerate of that. But the idea that everyone's out to get him and everyone's always hating him like ah, Richard, a lot of people are really supportive of you. I don't think a lot of people are saying, Oh, Richard Sherman's garbage or Richard Sherman's only his own corner. And I know he had that Twitter rant a little while back with Darrell Revis. I don't necessarily appreciate the fact that he is entirely disrespectful of some of the all time greats too. Um, yeah. So whatever. I, I don't want to root for him. I haven't liked him since he was in Seattle. And like you said, most of that is because he's good. And because he plays on teams that typically beat Green Bay or have beaten Green Bay in the past. So from a rooting interest standpoint, that's where we're at. Let's look at the game specifically. Let's start that when the Chiefs have the ball, this matchup to me is very simple. When Kansas City has the ball, does Patrick Mahomes have time to throw it? A lot has been made of those four first round picks. Jason, you mentioned them already. Four first round picks on that 49er front four. They have really fast linebackers, Quan Alexander and <laughs> Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner, and they've got some players in that front seven. Uh, and then you go to the back end. We mentioned Richard Sherman. Jimmy Ward's a really good player. The 49ers' defense is very good, but it really does come down to that secondary can be had in certain spots if and when Patrick Mahomes has time. And if Patrick Mahomes has time to throw, I really do think that Kansas City can make some big plays down the field. Uh, that's the big one though. I mean, honestly, this matchup, you know, we're talking so much is made of Patrick Mahomes against Jimmy G and we do so many things where we basically pit these quarterbacks against each other. And it's just kind of a bad way of looking at these games. Of course, Patrick Mahomes is better than Jimmy Garoppolo, but Patrick Mahomes is facing the 49ers defense. Jimmy Garoppolo is facing Kansas city's defense, which isn't a slouch, but it's not that vicious front four that the 49ers have. So, that's what that game comes down to, to me, uh, when Kansas City has the ball. Jason, do you think that the Chiefs are going to be able to hold up well enough in protection to get Mahomes some chances? Uh, and even if they do do that, do you think that there are plays to be had 
against the Niners secondary. Yeah, I think the Niners secondary is where you attack. So your game plan going into the biggest game of your life and the Super Bowl and two weeks to prepare is, you know, they, one of the first things you do is how do we keep give Mahomes a clean pocket or time to throw? So that's that's going to be a key, and I think they'll be okay. I think San Francisco is going to make some plays. They're not going to be held at bay the entire game. I don't care, you know, who they're going up against. They went up against a really good Packers offensive line, and they still had their way because they're good. They're just that good. But I think Mahomes also creates really well. I watch him play, and it reminds me of Aaron Rodgers 10 years ago. And when he gets outside the pocket, he can run. He can throw. He can throw on the run. He can throw at those weird angles, do all those things. So that's what I where I think it's at. If there's a you know, if there's a, a kink in the armor, to, so to speak, with the with the Niners' defense, it's in their secondary, and the Chiefs have, you know, three guys really that should be able to take advantage of a matchup, and, and somebody should be able to do something. It depends on how confident you are in Sammy Watkins if you have a third guy into that into that mix. But tight end Travis Kelsey and then Tyree Kill, who has a ton of speed, you know, speed kills. And so when you're talking about guys like. Jimmy Ward, Richard Sherman, they're, they're good players, but they're not as fast. And, and so the speed mitigates some of that. And I think that's where those opportunities are going to come from for Kansas City. I mean, I, I hope, you know, do you remember the game last season between the Chiefs and the Rams? That's the kind of Super Bowl that I hope that we see now. Jimmy Garoppolo and the Niners offense doesn't operate that way, the way that the Rams did last year. So I don't, I don't know if they'd be able to keep up toe-to-toe. But that's kind of the kind of game I'm hoping that we get is is where there's a good back and forth and not much like last season's Super Bowl, which was 10 to 3. There was very little scoring and it was just keep away strategy and it was almost like watching a Floyd Mayweather boxing match. You know, it was more about what they what didn't happen than what did happen. So yeah, I think I think the passing game you nailed it right there. That's that's going to be their opportunity as long as Mahomes has time to throw. Now we go to the other side when San Francisco has the ball. Jimmy Garoppolo has not thrown 30 passes in two postseason games. There is a chance that he may surpass that total tomorrow. It kind of depends on how the game goes, obviously. So if Kansas City is winning, then San Francisco is going to have to match them score for score. And I think they have the pieces to do that. The idea that Jimmy Garoppolo is just this awful player that anybody could plug in there and do that isn't necessarily true. Um, you know, last year with Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard, they put up some points and some numbers, but the team was terrible and the poor play at quarterback was part of that. Uh, some of those numbers were in garbage time, things of that nature. So thinking on that end, it is possible that the Niners can match Kansas city score for score. They have the weapons to it. Like I mentioned, Debo Samuel, very good player. Emmanuel Sanders, a crafty veteran, George Kittle. Uh, this, (laughs) this whole matchup is interesting because of the two tight ends, potentially being the best tight end in football uh, on each side of of this matchup. So that part is interesting. That being said, this game, very simply put, to me, comes down to San Francisco is not going to be able to run the ball like they did against Green Bay. Uh, I think that that was an anomaly. It's not like they've done that all season long. But it does come down to can – Kansas City, at least, you know, Steve Spagnolo talked about it. There was something they said during the AFC championship game between the pack or the, excuse me, the chiefs and the Titans. And that is that Spagnolo tells his defenders that you earn the right to rush the passer by stopping the run. And I think that if Kansas City, I don't know if they'll be able to full fledged stop them. I'm not saying that San Francisco is going to average two yards carry for Kansas City to win, but I do think they need to be able 
to slow them down and get it to where it is second and eight. I mean, the difference between second and eight and second and six sounds marginal, but it's a big deal. Uh, that's two full yards and you're behind, you're not necessarily in front of the chains. And now there's less at your disposal as opposed to second and four, second and six, which can turn very easily from another run into third and two, third and three. So I think being able to slow them down is going to be a big deal in this particular matchup. Jason, apart from San Francisco's running game, because San Francisco can throw it too. They have. You can watch the game they played against New Orleans, for example, as a way of, yeah, they can play in a shootout. What do you think is Kansas City, like I said, aside from the running game, what do you think is their biggest matchup that they have to slow down and or stop? Well, it is the run because San Francisco predicates so much on the run and they've got three really good running backs. Uh, and I don't, I don't, I haven't watched the coverage because I've just not been following it as, as much. I just kind of want to watch the game. I didn't want to get bogged down in all the minutia. So I don't know if Tevin Coleman is going to play in this game or not. Sounds like he will. Um, so then they'll have all three of their guys. But uh, then for me, if if Jimmy Garoppolo is trying to throw the football a bunch, that's not a great recipe for San Francisco if he's got to throw it over 30 times uh, to try to win. They may surprise me, and, and it may be something else. But then you ask yourself, who's the biggest weapon uh, in the passing game? And you mentioned it's George Kittle. So I think you have to keep Kittle at bay. You know, Debo Samuel and Emmanuel Sanders and – uh, the Niners receivers are very good, uh, but Kittle's a, a huge difference maker. I mean, you, he single-handedly took over that Saints game and would refuse to be tackled, and he's just he's the kind of guy that can wreck a lot of things in different ways, not just his route running and catching the football, but he's really tough to bring down. So it's, it's the tight end and it's Kittle. I think that's got to be the focus, and it may be the most obvious thing on the planet. Stop the run and cover George Kittle. But if the Chiefs can do that, they're probably going to be hoisting a Lombardi trophy, as simple as it sounds. I think that's that's going to be the key. Yeah, I think that George Kittle is one that will be an interesting matchup just because I think there's a possibility he gets pitted against Tyron Matthew a little bit. That might be the quote-unquote secret weapon. Matthew's smaller, but he's vicious. And coverage-wise, he's as good as anybody. Uh, on the other, if San Francisco is going to win, I think that they're going to need a play or two from some of their receivers. Now, they're certainly capable, like I mentioned. Debo Samuel is a very good player. Emmanuel Sanders is a good player. They can get plays from those guys. I'm just not 100% sure which one it's going to be. In Kansas City, when they're able to stop the run, they have to put heat on Garoppolo. And the thing about Garoppolo is if you put him under some pressure, he has been prone to be a little reckless with the ball. He will throw it to you. You just have to catch it. Uh, the Packers didn't have very many opportunities to catch it in the NFC Championship game because he only had nine dropbacks. Eight pass attempts, and he was sacked once by Kyler Fackrell. The Vikings had two plays where he threw two absolute gifts to Eric Kendricks. Kendricks caught one of them. He dropped the other one. That's where I think that some of the problem is going to lie is can Kansas City force some turnovers on defense? Because I do think San Francisco is willing to be patient and go 10, 12, 14, 15 plays to try and score a touchdown. Uh, Kyle Shanahan is 
as good as it gets in these situations. I know a lot is made of him being the offensive coordinator in the Super Bowl and they blew a 28 to 3 lead, quote unquote. Kyle Shanahan wasn't playing defense that day. And if <laughs> if if Devonta Freeman gets any sort of in the way of Dante Hightower, Matt Ryan throws a 73-yard touchdown to Taylor Gabriel, and that game is a rout. But they didn't. Shanahan made some mistakes, sure. But the idea that Shanahan solely blew a 28-3 lead, that's ridiculous. Uh, he's, like I said, as good as it gets. These are two of the best play-calling coaches in all of the NFL. They're two of the best coaches in general in all of the NFL. It's a great matchup. Jason, something that comes up often at this time of year with a single elimination tournament is do you think these are the two best teams playing in the Super Bowl? For example, in 2011, the two best teams didn't play in the Super Bowl because the New York Giants sucked. But they got rolling at the right time. They got to the Super Bowl. They were able to win it. But they weren't one of the best teams in football. They were 9-7, and seven, and they were not very good for most of the year. Jason, what do you think? Are these the two best teams playing on Super Bowl Sunday? No, if you're asking that question, it's a valid question. Not, the Niners are on the NFC side, but it should have been the Ravens on the AFC side. If you're going for the you know the best players, then the Ravens were just they were they were you know, obviously not unbeatable because Tennessee found a way to do it as a six seed on the road. Um, so you could argue that there, but you know from a from a regular season standpoint, and then you had an MVP season, and Lamar Jackson officially did win the uh, NFL MVP. Um, it you know I, I think everyone expected it to be Baltimore and whoever was going to go from the NFC. So not the two best teams, but like you said, that's you know often that's just not that's not who who gets there, and and we're you know very very aware of that as Packers fans because you could have said the same thing about the 2010 Packers when they when they reached the playoffs um, and yes, when they got to the Super Bowl, they were the hottest team, but they certainly weren't throughout that season. Uh, the best in the NFC. Yeah, I tend to agree uh, on that particular part. That being said, I do think the two best teams are playing for the Super Bowl. I think that Kansas city, a lot of people are forgetting in the middle of the year, Kansas city had some really rough injury issues. Patrick Mahomes missed time. Eric Fisher missed time. When Green Bay played them, they were missing almost any significant contributor at a position of importance. So that part, I think, matters. I think Kansas City, they went from, like, consensus favorite at the beginning of the year to people almost forgot about them. And credit to Nick Wright. He's on Fox Sports. Now, granted, he's a Chiefs fan, so he's a bit of a homer in this regard as well. But he's been on this all along that Kansas City's the best team. And I think they were the best team in the AFC too. Had they played in Baltimore, I wouldn't have cared. I would have picked the Ravens or excuse me, the chiefs to beat the Ravens in Baltimore. I think that Kansas city is the best team in the AFC and the 49ers. I, I mean, there's no argument quite frankly. Um, You know, I know a lot of people fell in love with the saints this year. The saints were one and done. Sorry. See you later. They lost to him at home. And if you lose to the Viking, if you lose to a six seed on your home field, I don't care if it's single elimination. You have no argument for being the best team in the NFC that year. Packers, obviously, I think they were a good team, but they're not better than the 49ers, and none of the other teams that made the playoffs were. So I do think these are the two best teams. I think that we're in for a classic kind of Super Bowl, which leads us to Jason's prediction time. Uh, the Chiefs and the 49ers will kick off at 530 Central Time. I almost forgot what time it was. 
uh, 5.30 Central Time. It'll be on Fox. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman will have the call, which to me is a positive thing. I like Joe Buck. I don't particularly care for Troy Aikman, but I do like Joe Buck. I know some people don't, and that is what it is. Uh, Jason, Chiefs and Niners, who wins? that's got the advantage of quarterbacks so I got to go with the Chiefs and I for some reason don't see this one I see this one being very opposite of last year's clunker that was 10 to 3 so it might be a little bit I might be way overshooting here but I'm I'm seeing like a 41 to 37 final uh, in favor of the Chiefs they might thwart a late Niners drive to seal the victory at the end who's going to win the MVP that is a great question I got to go with Patrick Mahomes if they're going to score 41 points. Yeah, at 41 points, that's what I was thinking as well. So I think that Kansas City can hold. The question in this game, like I mentioned earlier, really has been, can Kansas City hold up at the line of scrimmage? And I think they can. I think they can do enough on offense, and Mahomes can move around enough to make some plays against that front four. On defense, I think Kansas City can actually win the line of scrimmage against San Francisco's offensive line. I do think that's a a possibility. Uh, That being said, if you look at this game, I really do think if the team's played 10 times, you might split it five apiece. It's two great coaches. It's two really creative offenses. It's two... Actually, I think Kansas City's defense has become a little underrated. I know that they're not... They haven't been great, but a lot of people still have this idea from last year where Kansas City's defense was awful. That's not the case anymore. There is a scenario where Kansas City's defense can win this game if if their offense isn't able to move the ball up and down the field. I think Mahomes gets enough time. I think he can hit a couple deep plays down the field to Tyreek Hill and McCole Hardman and Sammy Watkins and some of these dudes. And ultimately, I really do think Travis Kelsey is going to have a big day on third downs. And that's a big key against this Niners defense is you're not going to have time to run around and chuck it down the field on third down when these pass rushers can pin their ears back and just go. But you're going to have to be able to get the ball out quick. The best guy to do that to is Travis Kelsey. Now, caution to Kansas City with this case. They've trailed by 24 in the divisional round, and they trailed by 10 against the Titans in the championship game. You can't fall behind against this Niners defense and specifically this defense and their running game. They'll be able to just grind this game out if you do that. So they got to start fast or at least start well enough to where they're not facing an early double-digit deficit like they have been. That being said, I like Kansas City. I like them 31-28. to I wouldn't be surprised if the game was higher scoring than that. I think both of these offenses are going to put on a show. Like you said, it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, it's going to be a great game, but yeah, I like Kansas City to win 31-28. to I, too, will take Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in the world, to be the MVP uh, and really cap off. Honestly, if Mahomes and the Chiefs win the Super Bowl tomorrow, that might cap off the best two-year starting of a career, of a playing career, that we've ever seen. Patrick Mahomes goes to a championship game last year. He wins the MVP has a chance to go to the Super Bowl, doesn't touch the ball in overtime, that is what it is, and then caps off his second season by winning a Super Bowl and a Super Bowl MVP. That's a very – it's a special thing that we're watching, and I hope that it's something that we appreciate. Um, but that's that's what we think. So Jason and I both like the Chiefs to win tomorrow. 
Uh, Jason, we're going to finish this one more bit on the Packers here uh, because this is a Packers show, obviously. So what do the Packers need to do? If you said one thing, one thing the Packers need to fix to be in this game next season, what would it be? team in the NFC right now except for the 49ers until I see differently and the reason they can't beat the 49ers is because San Francisco just controls it up front and defensively the Packers need they need another couple guys up front whether that's a linebacker and a defensive lineman or however it's going to be but if it's San Francisco that's that's going to be the key they gotta they've gotta they've gotta play the run better and they've got to force San Francisco to to not be able to do what they want to do which was way too much of what they did uh, to to get to the Super Bowl two weeks ago yeah, I agree. I think that being able to slow some of those things down, again, get San Francisco to be uncomfortable. Because I think if you if Green Bay was able to make San Francisco throw the ball, I think there were some chances for them to have a chance to win that game. But it didn't work out that way. That's what I think they need to do as well. That's going to do it for this edition of Pack-A-Day. Thank you guys for listening in. Next Saturday, or next Sunday, excuse me, Zach and Matub should be back, uh, hopefully for your guys' sake, so you don't have to listen to me blabber on for as long as I have tonight. Uh, but then we're starting our first weekend without football. The Combine will be here before you know it, and maybe you're into the XFL. I found out today that that kicks off next Saturday. So I'm in the market for a new favorite team. Uh, we'll see which one I end up picking between now and then. But Packers are not playing tomorrow. The Chiefs and the 49ers are Enjoy the Super Bowl. It's a great day. It's a great game. Jason, what's your go-to food for Super Bowl Sunday? There is. My mom has always made a very famous chili and cheese dip with just straight-up tortilla chips, and it is the best thing going on 35-plus years. There you go. My mom makes Italian beef, and that's one of my favorite things to partake in. Um, Wings are obviously always a great go-to. Pizza. Um Honestly, I mean, it's food, man. So, I mean, it's football and it's food. That's why Super Bowl Sunday should actually be on a Saturday, so we should have a chance to recover from Sunday evening or through Sunday from Saturday evening or make the Monday after the Super Bowl a national holiday so none of us have to go to work the next day. That works for me as well. But, yeah, my go-to food is definitely my mom's Italian beef. So I'm excited. Enjoy your Super Bowl parties. Enjoy the show. Let us know at Packaday Podcast on that Twitter handle who you think is going to win tomorrow and why. Let us know who you're rooting for if you have a rooting interest as well. But thank you guys for listening to the show. And of course, as always, go pack go. Whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well being and proper recovery for top notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.